This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello and welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few minutes, John Carlson returns with a fresh Vancouver real estate update and lots more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The B.C. government is moving against short-term home rentals. This week, the province announced it will move to crack down on short-term condo rentals and bylaws within strata units. This will add much more muscle for strata councils to ban or restrict short-term rentals and mostly to increase and enforce fines for non-complying residents. Fines are now typically 200 bucks a week and those will be increased to $1,000 a day to discourage unwelcome renters. Besides noise and obvious security issues, this move will clearly define what is and what is not permitted in stratas. Short-term rentals are in a different category, commercial, and should not be used in long long-term rental environments, says the government after much consultation, and these new regs will ensure that. This all kicks in on November 30th to allow time for all involved to adjust bookings and be on side with the tougher new condo bylaws. In an attempt to keep up with the competition, Costco announced its expanding grocery home delivery to Canada this week. Loblaws began last year in Toronto and Vancouver. Walmart has had online and grocery pickups since 2015, and Amazon began offering this option five years ago. So better late than never efforts here to catch up to the marketplace has Costco also offering home grocery delivery. The catch is this will only be available in southern Ontario as it begins and then will expand through out Ontario and into Quebec, and Costco says it has no timeline for, well, the rest of us, and adds only non-perishable goods will be available, but that still includes hundreds of grocery items. Delivery will be guaranteed within two days. There will be no fee charges for orders over 75 bucks. We'll let you know when this comes to our part of Canada probably a few months from now. And speaking of the competition, Amazon had another very successful Prime Day this week in which, despite a few technical glitches, in the opening hours, they still managed to sell over $3.5 billion in merchandise and new memberships. Top sellers, the Fire TV Stick, Alexa Voice Remote, and the Instant Pot Multi-Cooker. Here's a story I expect our real estate pro John Carlson will have some thoughts about. According to a new poll from Ipsos, a huge majority of seniors say they plan to stay in their homes through retirement. And that's not great news for young home buyers. The poll was conducted for Home Equity Bank. Those are the people behind those chip reverse mortgages. And 93% of those surveyed said they want to stay put in their retirement. Now, it's important to note that may not always be possible, as needs change over the years, and a simple staircase, rather, can become a big problem. And once driving becomes impossible, there are risks of isolation in big suburban homes. But as folks get older they become more attached to their homes. And 4 in 10 said there are emotional reasons for staying. Here's the problem for younger buyers. There just isn't the same amount of housing supply there once was. New home construction here in Vancouver and in Toronto has fallen off, so new buyers are chasing after mostly existing stock, which will keep prices high. For new players in the game, the challenge continues. We'll check with John on this in a couple of minutes. And last week, we reminded you about national 
ice cream day as a public service, of course. Well, this week, as the hot weather continues, we get to remind you that Tim Hortons is bringing back the Oreo ice cap, which first appeared in the summer of 2016. This is the ice cap base with Oreo cookie crumbles and whipped cream on top that fans look forward to every year and which is now available for a limited time at participating Timmy's across Canada. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories we've been following. We'll look at a few more later on in the hour. Stay with us. John Carlson is on deck. He'll have a fresh Vancouver market real estate update and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back as we are carrying on on a lovely Saturday afternoon with Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, now joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, who's here back with us from 1% Realty. Hi, John. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Sterling. Doing great, thanks. It's good to have you with us. Uh, as we uh, tend to want to do when we have you in studio, John, we'd like to take a, a step back and take an overview of Metro Vancouver and the real estate market these days. And I saw four stories in four different newspapers, this magazine this week, all of which used the word balanced. They're describing what is now going on around Metro Vancouver on the real estate scene as being, quote, more balanced. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the stats coming out from the real estate board and you read the articles in the newspaper that we're talking about here, you'll see that, you know, the market has changed compared to some of the conversations we had last year mm-hmm. or even at the beginning of this year. And I think the perfect uh, way to put it is it is more balanced. I, you know, having uh, worked with a lot of sellers over the past few years, you know, you really felt in the, in the market's past that the sellers really had the hammer, if you will. They had the balance of power because he- heck, if you're a buyer and you don't buy my house, well, there's a line of two or three other people who would want to. Mm-hmm. And that created some problems for buyers. Of course, it's great for sellers, but that created its own challenges. And now as the market tends to be easing back a little bit, I mean, let's face it, it's not as easy to borrow money if you're a buyer looking to buy a house in Greater Vancouver. That's a good point. That's taken some of the steam out of the market. There are some new rules and taxes and the confidence has changed in the market a little bit as things start to balance and prices come down in some segments. Mm So I think balance is a good way of putting it. If I'm a buyer out there right now, uh, I don't feel like I've got a hammer over my head. If it's a property, if I like it, I can go and negotiate on it. I could probably even write a subject to sale offer, subject to the sale of my property, sure, yeah. and have a chance of getting some there, somewhere with that. So yes, buyers now have a little bit more choice. It would seem that in most segments, the listings are hanging on the market a little bit longer and the inventories are building up a little bit. And a buyer doesn't necessarily have to open his or her wallet and dump everything they have on the table to buy a home anymore. There can be a true negotiating process. So uh, again, this is good news for buyers. Sellers are still doing well. Prices are still quite strong, even though they've come off from maybe the all-time highs. So we're in a, we're in a situation where uh, buyers and sellers have a, maybe an equal amount of power uh, in, in the transaction, and that's never a bad thing. Well, you know, as, and I was just listening to that description of where we are here versus a year ago, when, I mean, it, it was, because you and I have been doing this now for over a year, and when we started doing it, market conditions around Metro Vancouver were very different. Buyers, in many cases, John, had 15 minutes to maybe walk through property and make an offer, at, you know, and join the parade of offers and hopefully not be outbid. Right. 15 minutes to make probably the biggest decision of your entire life involving seven figures is insane. So the fact that we have a chance to breathe deeply a couple of times before committing to a seven-figure deal is not a bad thing from where I'm sitting. No, it's not. It's, uh, in fact, from a realtor's point of view, uh, you know, it's 
tough in a market like that because when you're working for a seller, it's wonderful, but you want to make sure you maximize the sale because you know darn well your seller is going to need every penny when they go out to buy. Sure. But working for a buyer in that kind of market is, is really tough because it, I found personally anyways, it was hard to give people good advice. If you're in a situation where there might be three or four or seven offers, how do you advise them in terms of what price you think is appropriate? So, uh, you know, again, those days, um, you know, multiple offers aren't over. We've had multiple offers on some of our listings lately, but uh, it's a bit of a different scenario out there. And again, a nice balanced market where you as a home seller can put your home on the market. If you ask a reasonable price, you're going to get action. You're going to get a sale. And then when you go out to buy your next property, you're going to have some choice. So it might be a welcome change to a lot of people and the prices have come down a little bit too, and that doesn't hurt. Exactly. Now, there was a story that I just did in our introduction here talking about this new survey from the people who do those chip reverse mortgages they talk to a lot of seniors across canada this was not a bc only survey and, and it was a surprisingly high number of uh, seniors in their homes who say their preference is to stay in their homes you know a lot of people downsize once the kids go and all the rest of it but there's this 93 percent of people surveyed at least said they would prefer to stay in their homes not always possible due to health and other reasons but their preference is to stay right where they are which is challenging for younger home buyers. You deal with young couples and young people getting into the housing game almost every day. Can you, uh, what do you think of this survey? Well, I can totally relate uh, to sellers wanting to stay in the properties they've lived in for many years. I've been in my property for, I think, 13 or 14 years now, and I, I don't want to go anywhere anytime soon. Right. Now, I'm not retirement age yet, but I can, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also that some of these properties that the uh, retirement seniors uh, you know, are, have been in a number of years are probably out of the price range of a lot of first-time buyers. Good point. So it may not really affect, uh, affect the first-time buyers, buyers that much. But um, I work with a lot of people who are downsizing, and I find that... Generally speaking, uh, people are doing it out of necessity sometimes. Uh, maybe stairs are an issue now, yes. or maybe a property's too big to look after properly. But I know that you know a, a lot of people in that age range, in that phase of their lives where they're downsizing that I've worked with in the past, have not been in a hurry to leave the property that they're so comfortable with. As you mentioned, there's emotional reasons. The oh, kids were bet. raised here yep. and all the memories and all those sorts of things. So, hey, I'm with you. I think if you want to stay in your property, stay there as long as you can and enjoy it. And, and that would be a good move. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're a buyer looking to uh, look at a property again, there's lots of properties to look at right there. And I don't think that, at least in greater Vancouver, the senior market, people holding on to their properties, is really affecting that first-time buyer all that much. Having said that, there is always a shortage of detached homes, but maybe the answer is just going further east. And you talked a little bit, John, about prices coming off a little bit in some sectors. Now, we've talked about the, the $25 million home in West Van that's now 19. <laughs> okay, that uh, we, can, we, we see it in the paper and go, oh gosh, uh, none of us going to, well, no, not none of us, but most of us, uh, let's dream on. That's where that one goes. But are there price don't hesitate I hesitate to say reductions but are prices easing off in in uh, segments uh, of the real estate sector below those really super high numbers yeah I think they are quite frankly and I think that as we look at the uh, statistics coming forward in the next few months that will bear out uh, the market is not going off a cliff we're not experiencing a situation where prices are, are crashing and and there's a bunch of mayhem nothing like that but again remember we're comparing to the all-time highs when everything was pushing that market market up. Interest rates were low. There was no stress test. There was no bans on foreign money or any of these sorts of things. And I think that creates a situation that that, that pushes prices up, obviously. Now that those are gone, we're seeing a little bit more of a relaxation. Having said that, the greater Vancouver market has always got such strong fundamentals and such strong demand that we're not seeing a crash. We're not seeing things go off the cliff. But what we're seeing is 
people, sellers in particular, becoming a little bit more competitive, understanding that, hey, maybe last year there was two or three listings, they were all selling in a couple of days, so they could jack their price right up and make sense. Well, maybe now there's eight or 10 competitors, and maybe you have to start thinking about being competitive uh, in the product that you put out on the market in terms of price and how you prepare it, because it's just not quite as easy. So yes, I'm seeing price reductions in some segments. I'm seeing new listings come on and better pricing than we might have seen last year in some segments. But again, it depends on the segment. The more competitive segments, uh, uh, you know, detached housing or expensive homes have felt it the most, whereas condos and townhomes are still pretty hot. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about those lesser expensive homes. Is this where most first-time... Cause, and, and one other factor, one other contributing factor to the, to the dynamic in Metro Vancouver, John, and you've identified this on this program before, every year... 30,000 people move to Metro Vancouver, not just from other parts of Canada, from all over the world. The demand for accommodation in this city is constant, isn't it? It's been very strong. Absolutely. The demand is there, the supply is limited, and that's a big part of the reason we've seen such an explosion in the real estate market. The uh, supply hasn't increased uh, enough to keep in touch with demand, and the demand is there. And, and in fact, when you look at the sales and the statistically in Greater Vancouver, they're down thirty or forty percent in some segments compared to the all-time highs. Right. But uh, to me, that just means that some people are maybe stepping back and waiting to see what happens with the changes in the industry. Sometimes it's not as much a, a lack of demand as it is uh, stepping back and waiting to see. And I think that's the kind of market we're in. So again, the market's still healthy. It's wonderful. There's a lot of good things underpinning this market, and I'm not predicting uh, or, or concerned about any major corrections. But a little bit of air has come out of that balloon. It's not quite as as hectic as it maybe was in the past. And, you know, I think for those of us who enjoy a breath every now and then, it's not a bad thing at all, John. I just don't see it. You focus a lot of your real estate professional activity east of the city in Maple Ridge, in Mission, in Langley, uh, out out in the Valley areas, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, the Tri-Cities. Are there any differences between activities in that part of Metro Vancouver, say, compared to downtown? town. Well, each, each segment has got its own market dynamic. There's no doubt about that. A slightly different maybe buyer demographic, mm-hmm. a slightly different uh, supply and demand type ratio. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, I've been doing this as my 21st, 22nd year maybe in the business. And uh, I, I do a lot of stuff out in Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody, Maple Ridge, Mission, like you say, Langley, Burnaby. I've mm-hmm. got a, a great new listing actually. It's a half duplex in Burnaby at 995. Go to my website, Johnny1% and take a look at that. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, but each market is slightly different and you have to do your homework and know the markets to give your sellers uh, good information for sure. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm on johnny1percent.com and I'm looking for uh well, I'm looking down featured listings for example at the bottom of the page. johnny1percent.com is uh, Mr. Carlson's website and it it it's a very uh, it's a very user-friendly website first of all, John, but most importantly it just got a ton of information in it and right on the home page about halfway down is a grid and 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 it's entitled savings you'll enjoy. And it says, "Yes, we're regular real estate agents in every sense of the word we simply charge less that's it end of story that's the one percent business model in one sentence isn't it it is and that's why i'm here on the radio to let people know that they do have some options i mean the real estate industry has been thriving in greater vancouver and throughout canada for many years and uh, the commission structure i mean there are different commission structures out there and there is no set structure but the dominant one in this area for a long time has been a a, a commission structure of seven percent on the first hundred thousand dollars of your sale price two and a half percent of the balance and ian bailey at one percent realty came on oh ten plus years ago and introduced a new way of doing real estate in terms of commission structures when he introduced 1% realty. And in 2010, I thought I sort of saw the writing on the wall and recognized that consumers were getting a little bit fed up with uh, commissions that were in the 
you know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar range, depending on what price range you were selling. Sure. And I thought, you know, consumers are empowered. They they know. I mean, MLS is out in the air. We breathe. The industry has changed, and all the consumers they they are empowered. They have the ability to make decisions. And so I'm out here letting people know they're listening who might be considering selling their home in the near future that you do have some options and. Me at one percent realty, my fee structure is is a little bit different. Anything up to seven hundred thousand dollars sale price, it's seventy nine fifty. That's one percent of seven hundred plus nine fifty. If you're a million dollars, one percent plus nine fifty. So you're looking at about eleven thousand. And and just to maybe point out how does that work? It's one thing to look at a chart online, but but how does that work? And if if you'll allow me, Sterling, I want to actually give some congratulations out here and okay. give you an example. As I continue to look at the chart online, because frankly, the numbers are quite stunning. But yes, talk now. Give us some for real human examples here, John. So this one, uh, I want to congratulate Stacy in Port Coquitlam. This is a lady who gave me a call. I'd never met her before. Met her and her husband. Uh, have a ground-level condo in Villaggio 2, which is one of the nicer buildings in Port Coquitlam. You talked about this one on the radio a couple of weeks ago. I think I did. Yes. And now it's gone. It wow. didn't take that long. Okay. We're looking at just under 800000 This is a bigger condo in Port Coquitlam. Uh, but it had a lot of unique features. The ground patio, the easy access right by the park. And it was just one of those listings where... We knew that buyers would, would take note. It might not be for everybody, no listing is, but for the right people, this was really something. It didn't have a lot of competition. So again, priced it at seven eighty nine, uh, and within about a week, I think it was, we had an offer. And just in this particular case, if you're looking at $800,000 price, you know, when I was at some of these other companies, which are great companies, mm-hmm. um, I would uh, uh, charge seven and two and a half. That's $25,000 commission. However, at this particular one, it was about $10,000 commission. So I want to congratulate Stacy and say, hey, thank you very much and congratulations. But you also saved about $15,000 in commission. So it's real estate sales in every typical sense. I mean, MLS and photos and tours, and we are arranging viewings and feedback. We're negotiating offers. The whole thing that I did at any other company back in the past, I'm still doing. I simply charge less money, and my sellers walk away with more in their pocket. I remember you're telling me about this property now. It was the patio that, that I recall, John, because I said, oh, it's a little patio. And I said, no, it's not a little patio. It's a big patio, and went on to describe it at length. And uh, so I, I do recall the property, and it doesn't surprise me that it moved as quickly as it did. It sounded like a pretty a nice spot. Yeah. So if you go and look at my my chart in my on my website, go to johnny1percent.com, figure out what price range you're in, take a look at what my commission structure is, and you can see that I'll do things the same way as any other agent probably would, uh, but also I'll charge you a little bit less money, and I've got a good track record. And I'm, let me quote from the website again here. The primary reason typical commission rates have remained the same is that so many sellers have agreed to pay those rates. You might have paid those rates as well, but why pay more than you have to? A perfectly reasonable question, Mr. Carlson. Absolutely. So any more examples of, of oh. uh, recent uh, property sales that uh, in which you can cite considerable savings to the, the seller? Well, my other new sale that I have this week uh, would be Mike. He's also in a Port Coquitlam condo. And this is a little uh, older place, one bedroom, listed at you know 375 type range. And that one recently sold. And even on that example, at seven and two and a half, you're looking at about $14,000 commission. And uh, I was able to work with him, get a great price, get it sold and save about 6000 So again, if you're in a, if you're in a condo in a 375 price range type kind of condo um, and you want to sell and you can save $6,000, I'm going to argue that, hey, that's a pretty good savings and that's money that you can use for all kinds of things. So johnny1percent.com. Sometimes people ask me, how did it come about? 
I'm at 1% Realty. I'm like Johnny Appleseed, sowing the, the seeds of value throughout the greater Vancouver real estate market. So go and check me out and give me a call when you have time. Johnny1percent.com is indeed the real estate uh, website for Mr. John Carlson at 1% Realty. And just put your number. You have an idea, at least, of what you think your home is worth. And we'll talk about evaluations when we come back after the news. But just take a look at the numbers and see where you fit in to the to the grid and just see for yourself how much money you can keep in your pocket. We're back with lots more with John Carlson from 1% after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this lovely Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.com. That's a terrific website that gives you all sorts of terrific information and backgrounding about real estate and activity in the Vancouver area. And John, you you, you gave us a couple of recent examples of sellers that you've helped uh, move their properties in very timely fashion recently. But we also had a discussion earlier about first-time buyers or young buyers and young players on the field who are having a bit of a tough time because, well, prices are high and the selection range is limited. As we discovered from this recent survey, a lot of people are deciding to say, I'm going to I'm gonna stay where I am. So talk to, have you helped? And I know you work with both buyers and sellers. Sure. You've given us a couple of sellers' examples of, uh, of recent sales in which they saved considerable amounts of money based on the 1% business model. How about buyers? Have you worked with any of those lately? Of course. Uh, I work with buyers all the time. Uh, oftentimes, the people I work with that are buyers are the people whose homes I've sold. Okay, sure. But also, I love working with first-time buyers. And that's one of the nice things about being out in the Coquitlam, Maple Ridge, Mission, Langley areas where there's a lot of more affordable properties than downtown Vancouver. Sure, yeah. I do get to work with a lot of young families. And of course, um, when I'm working with a family, it's all about getting them what they want at the best price and terms we possibly can. And on that note, I just wanted to congratulate Tamara and Dave because just yesterday, they removed conditions on the purchase of a townhouse in Maple Ridge. And this is a this is something I'd love to repeat over and over and over again because this uh, is really a lot of fun. It gives me a lot of pleasure and it's it's is something that uh, that I feel really good about. Um, this is a couple who was don't want to say too much, but they were renting, looking to buy their first place, young kids and the whole bit. Sounds pretty typical. They wanted a little bit of a yard, they wanted a garage to park in, they didn't mind doing a little bit of work if it needed carpets and paint and that sort of thing. We looked around and you know what? They found the perfect little spot for them and it's a great starter home. So it's it, you know, in this particular case, sellers pay commission. This has nothing to do with commission or me saving people money. It has to do with me providing the right service, providing the right advice, helping people take that step uh, in terms of, you know, is, is this good value? What should I be watching out for? Am I doing things right, John? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about mortgage financing? What about insurance? What about these things? Should I do an inspection? Um, and, you know, when you've been doing, the, doing this as long as I have, uh, it's just a, a pleasure to help young families out and to work with them and represent them as they get started in life because this is a great big decision, you know, to make in terms of where do you buy and what do you spend your money on? No question about it, John. Just just a, a quick uh, a halt on, on the, the notion, the notion, of doing an inspection. Because we talked about this a few minutes ago. Sure. Last year, a year ago at this time, the thought of, well, you know, we're very interested in purchasing this property, but, you know, we'd like to have an inspection done before we uh, submit an offer. Sure. Well, good luck with that, buddy. There are nine people on the sidewalk outside right. the house with uh, firm offers in hand next, and that's the end of the inspection. So the fact that our market has become more balanced, allowing for a little more breathing room, and gosh, imagine, John, even an inspection before committing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, whenever I work with a buyer, I always recommend they get an inspection. And 
it's it's just something that you really should do. And I know in times past, that's something that people have foregone because they need to be competitive. Sure. But again, we're talking about a more balanced market now, so that might, that could be good news for buyers. Now, let's talk about uh, values of your home because I'm, I'm sitting here at johnny1percent.com and I'm looking at this grid, which is very tantalizing because you can plug your, uh, your personal home values and we all have a rough idea of where we're at in the marketplace. So you can take a look at a, uh, an $800,000 property or, or one worth a million five and you can take a look at what a typical commission rate would be when you sell your house through anybody but 1%. And then you take a look at the 1% number and the difference is remarkable. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, oh, and I wanted to ask you, when you uh, help these young buyers with their first new uh, starter home, uh, you, this was listed by someone else, wasn't it? Uh, yes, of course. And I want to back up a little bit because there is no typical rate and we're not the only company, 1% Realty, that charges a commission structure that might be less than 7% and 2.5%. Okay. So there are all kinds of business models out there, but the dominant one is 7 and 2.5% and, and that's what we're comparing against. Sure. Uh, and of course, when I work with a buyer, it was another listing. It wasn't my listing. Uh, you know, I would say somewhere around 90% of the listings on MLS are sold by other agents and uh, that's only going to increase as these new agency rules have changed and, and all that sort of thing. So most of the time when you're buying or selling a home, you are dealing with another agent or a representative of a seller or buyer that you're, you know, it's, it's a negotiating process. Well, I think this is a fair question because you represent a commission structure that is lower than many of your competitors. Yes. Do those competitors want to show your listings based on the fact that they may not realize the same amount of money for participating in the sale? That's the biggest question I get, Sterling, since I've been at 1% Realty. I think that there's this misconception out there that, uh, that agents will not show a property if the listing commission, if the selling, the commission offered to the buyer's agent is not, uh, what you might call typical or part of that seven and yeah. two and a half. But I'm happy to say, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of homes I've sold since I joined 1% Realty in 2010, probably five or 600 maybe. 90 plus percent of them were sold by other agents. I can tell you that agents are ethical people. They understand they represent a client, might be a buyer, and they show that property to the buyer because it meets the, the client's interests. Uh, and also, quite frankly, practically speaking, you can't hide. When you're on MLS and you're a listing and you're one of five or six properties of a certain style in a certain area, the buyers know all five and six. They want to see all five and six. They're not going to look and say, hey, well, this one's got less commission, so I'm not as interested in this one. They don't really factor that in. So as long as you're positioned well, you're marketed well, and you're represented well when a potential buyer comes forward, you've got everything you need to sell. You've got all the, the tools for success. The fact that the commission that we're offering is lower than some of our competition uh, helps my buyers net more money. It can sure. help them be sharper in price if they need to. And sometimes buyers' agents may ask for more money in an offer. Sometimes they ask to modify the commission. But the good news is you as a seller, you have the right to say yes or no or to negotiate those things. But what I don't do is I don't put seven and two and a half commission on you and throw you on an, on an MLS. We have a very, very reasonable commission and agents bring their buyers because the buyers want to see it. And sometimes commission becomes a negotiating point. Having said that, you as the seller are in the driver's seat Absolutely. because it's your home and you can decide what you want to do. So sometimes we do make deals, but I can tell you that my sellers, I believe this, get the best deal on the market and they have very reasonable commissions. And in the end, they're going to save money compared to the vast majority of other agents that they could work with if they work with me at Johnny 1%. You've said on this program many times that, uh, on, of course, it's appropriate that you would because it's Vancouver Consumer on NW after all. But you have mentioned many times that today's consumer is a very informed individual. They, uh, We Canadians are notorious consumers of the internet. We're among the highest consumers in the world of the internet. We're all over the thing. So when we're looking 
looking for and we're shopping and we're doing comparison shopping, we are quite intense and quite thorough in our searching practices, aren't we? That's one of the reasons you decided to join 1% in the first place, noting these technological changes in the marketplace and how eagerly people were jumping on them. Well, in most industries, when um, consumers have more power and more choice, cost comes down. And that's played out. So, so I reckoned when I joined 1% Realty in 2010 that, uh, that consumers were getting more choice. They were having more options. They were becoming more empowered, more knowledgeable, and that they would probably want to get more value as well. And that's proved out to be true. One thing you just touched on, when I started in 1996, totally different game. We had catalogs, paper that's catalogs right, that's that would right. get delivered. Yeah. And the guy that I was learning from in those days said, Johnny, whatever you do, don't give this catalog out because this is our information. We hold it close to the vest. We need to... And so people, I'd step outside my first couple of months in real estate and they say, hey, John, I need to see your catalog. Can I borrow your catalog? I need to know what's out there. Right. Those consumers had very little access to information mm-hmm. and they really relied quite heavily on agents to introduce them to properties and help them you know, maybe sort their way through. Today's consumer, wow, what a difference. 180 sure. degree shift. I put a listing out there, throw it on MLS. We do our social media campaigns. Next thing you know, I've got people calling me, hey, John, I want to see MLS number, da, 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 da. Right. And I, I know this, I know this, I know this. Could you check on the city, this? And, and they've already got... 80, 90% of, the, of the, the information there in front of them. So rather than me pushing out information and saying, you know, calling people individually and saying, hey, I've got this listing, it's a complete 180 degree. You put it out there, the consumers know it, they have the information, they call you, they contact you. If they're interested, you set up an appointment and you see if you can make a deal work. Right. The number, by the way, should you want to call John Carlson about your particular situation is 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. And as long as we're talking about a market that allows for a little breathing time and it's not as nuts as it was a year ago, and it isn't, a lot of people who wanted to make maybe think about things a year ago, were put off by the insanity and the fast-paced move of it all. You know, some people like to actually breathe while they're making important decisions that affect the rest of their lives. (laughs) So a lot of people decided, no, I'm not going to play now. This is too nuts. And now, a year later, the market has some breathing room, and some people are going... Okay, now let's have a look around. Now might be the time to put the for sale sign out on the front lawn. But, you know, it's been a while since we even had this conversation, so I've kind of lost track of what the house is worth. Right. Last time we had a realtor come by was, geez, um, eight or nine months ago. How current should your last evaluation be, John, if you're actually right this moment thinking about selling your home? Well, it doesn't hurt to get a fresh update any time. So if, if you met with an agent a month ago, you might want to call that agent back and say, hey, are, have things changed at all? Um, and chances are the inventory, maybe ratios might have changed a little bit. There may be some new listings. There may be some new sales that are showing you some trends. Uh, so if you're thinking of selling and you're, you, you, you've had an evaluation that's any more than a month old, I would say absolutely update it. In fact, when I talk to people, oftentimes I'll do an evaluation for them in March and they're not ready till June. And then June comes along, we fine tune things or maybe one or two or three times in between there just to give them an update. So getting an evaluation uh, from a good agent who does a lot of business and knows the market well and is, you know, speaks the truth. I like to tell people, I just tell the truth as I understand it. That's what makes my job so easy. I interpret what I know, what I understand, and I give that information to a seller and I let them make the best decision that they can make. But uh, when the market's changing, you definitely want to make sure that you're positioned well, uh, not just in terms of what the other listings are doing, but in, in, in relation to what your motivation level is. Absolutely. And by the way, 
today at johnny1percent.com. Uh, right there on the on top of the page is a green button that says request free market evaluation. And if you click on that, well, then uh, it'll get you right through to, uh, to John and uh, you can give him all your particulars and you reply to these uh, email requests quite diligently, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. When somebody sends me a request for an evaluation, I'll generally give them a quick call and we'll talk about it. And usually I set up a time to see the house because uh, an evaluation without seeing the house is not really uh, necessarily accurate. So um, I generally set up a meeting and we talk and we meet and go from there. When people ask you about the 1% business model, in addition to the issue I raised about other realtors from other companies being willing to show your your particular uh, homes that your clients are trying to sell, talk to us a little bit about other aspects of the 1% business model that people are, well, a little skeptical about, John, to be a little honest, because I'm paying less. I'm probably going to get less. That's what consumers are conditioned to believe. That's the kind of bargain hunting mentality we have. Right. So this contradicts that uh, that thinking in some ways, doesn't it? Well, in some ways, I mean, it's natural done to think that if you pay less, you're going to get less. But I think also consumers are waking up to the fact that there are different ways to deliver products and services, and some of them are more efficient than others. Um, I rely heavily on my 20-some-odd years of experience to make my job somewhat easy. I don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. This is something I'm, in, I'm involved in day after day, and so it's easy for me. I do a lot of volume as well, and mm-hmm. when you do a lot of volume, you tend to know what's going on in the market because you're representing a whole bunch of buyers and sellers and you're getting a feel for it every single day. So the 1% business model, at least in, in the way I'm involved is, I don't cut any corners. So you might say, gee, you're charging less, John. What am I not getting? Exactly. I hear that sometimes. What am I not getting? Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're not getting nothing uh, because you're getting everything that, that I would do. I mean, you, photos, virtual tours. I also offer a premium plan and some of these properties I'm quoting, you know, they're selling for $2 million, let's mm-hmm. just say. Okay. Commission might be 1% plus 9 feet. We're talking about $20,000 compared to 50 or 60. I also offer people 3D mapping of their home. Now, I charge a little bit extra for this because it's a little bit expensive. We do social media tours. We come on the radio and announce some things. So Mm -hmm. in terms of how I present my properties to the market... I think I do as well a job as, as the, the rest of my competition and maybe a better job than some of them in terms of uh, spending some money and spending some effort to get a listing out there. Now, I only take listings that I feel comfortable with. In other words, that, that I get a price that I think I can work with and I can sell. But once I take a listing, I invest my time and money into it to make sure it hits the market in the best possible light. And really, that's that's what you need. So if you're asking me what you don't get... Well, what you do get is a top-selling agent who is going to charge you less money than most of the other people out there. And I come with a lot of great references. That's another thing on my website. You can hear people firsthand talk about maybe their experiences with me and 1% Realty. Find out for yourself. When you uh, do an evaluation for a person's home after uh, arranging for that visit and walkthrough, do you find, John, that most people have a pretty reasonable idea of what their house is worth in today's market? Or is there still a lot of fantasy pricing going on in people's minds that you need to give a reality check to? Well, there's a whole spectrum of people out there. A lot of people haven't checked prices in a while and uh, you know, I might come along and, and suggest a price and they go, oh my goodness, that's way more than we thought. We didn't. So not everybody really knows what the value of the home is. Other right. people have really paid a lot of attention. You know, I'll meet people sometimes in strata complex and they can rattle off the top their most recent 10 sales and how many square feet they were, how many bedrooms and exactly what they sold for. And because they're neighbors, they know when they put the flooring in and all sure. this sort of thing. So it's a wide range. Some people have a, a better idea than others. And again, when I do an evaluation, I always tell my, my potential clients, I am one person giving you an opinion. I am not the market. What I say does not determine what your house will sell for. Right. However, 
a good agent who knows what he or she is doing and has a lot of experience can probably give you very accurate information, very accurate opinions that you can then base your decisions on. And that's really where I'm coming from when I give people an evaluation. And our, our, our Mr. Carlson, by the way, friends, in case you don't know, is a member of the President's Club, which is the uh, the top 1% of uh, realtors in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, uh, was last year and has been in that very exclusive group uh, many times in the past and in his career as a professional realtor has sold around a thousand homes. So this, this is a fellow with a lot of experience. And John, right back to your story about the first time buyers and their new starter home out there in Maple Ridge, the yes, townhouse. Yes. It, it's, there's, there's just, there's, it's not rocket science. You keep telling us that. You remind us of that. But you know what? If you don't do this every day like you do for a living, it only happens two or three times in most people's lives. And there's an awful lot of detail to, to deal with. There is. And I think people um, should be making their own decisions. But having uh, a seasoned professional in your corner who, whose interests are exclusively your interests, getting your goals accomplished... That's, that's very powerful. I mean, and I think that when people decide to buy or sell and they, they have a realtor, I mean, sometimes there's a friend in the business or a relative here and there, and all those things are wonderful. But I think uh, if you're going out to battle, you want somebody uh, who's, uh, who knows how to battle on your side. And I think you should choose your agent carefully. Choose someone who, again, you, you, you trust and you can uh, confide in and uh, somebody who you think might have the tools to get you top price if you're selling or to help you identify the pitfalls and avoid them when you're buying and, and put together a good purchase. So and, again, experience does count and I offer that to my clients. But of course, and I was just going to add, and someone who does the kind of volume that you do, you're out in the streets, in the trenches every day, and you move a lot of properties. You help a lot of people sell and buy homes on a daily, weekly basis. Uh, and this degree of activity in the marketplace is really important, especially, again, for first-time players. Absolutely. And again, the market will decide what the market decides, no matter what I say or any other agent says. So you want to position yourself as smartly as you possibly can, and then you want to keep your eyes and ears open for feedback, and if necessary, make adjustments. So again, it's there's no hard and fast rules, but a a good experienced agent uh, will be helpful to you, and that's what I do offer. Let me give you the phone number again, because we're out of time here, and Mr. Carlson can turn his phone back on, and you can call him. It's 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. John Carlson at johnny1percent.com. Good of you to come in. Thanks for the update this afternoon. We'll catch up to you again uh, sometime next month. Yes, we'll see you next month. Thank you, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 1% Realty for another very informative visit. Next Saturday, we'll take your calls on family law issues to the senior lawyers at the Zuckerman Law Group. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at a possible Major League Baseball franchise in Vancouver. Thanks, Sterling. Could Vancouver be in line for a Major League Baseball franchise? According to the league's commissioner, it's a possibility. Speaking before Tuesday's MLB All-Star Game in Washington, D.C., Commissioner Rob Manfred said the league is looking to expand and that Vancouver is a viable market. Vancouver currently plays host to the Vancouver Canadians, the short-season single-A league team that plays to capacity crowds at Nat Bailey Stadium. But there is a huge difference between selling out a minor league ballpark in the summer and hosting 81 home games a year in a major league venue. Arthur Griffiths, the former owner of the Vancouver Canucks, said the city has plenty going for it. Uh, we're putting a list of top 10 needs for a franchise location. 
Vancouver's got 9 of 10. There is one big stumbling block, however, a venue. BC Place wasn't designed with baseball in mind, and building a new stadium would be costly. Would they be able to play there until a franchise built the stadium? Possibly. Fitz, who helped bring an NBA team to Vancouver in the 1990s, thinks the return of the NBA is far more likely. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. If you've had a bad experience with misleading or aggressive sales practices by telecom service providers, the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC, wants to hear from you. The commission is accepting written consumer comments until August 20th, and this will be followed by public hearings starting in October. The CRTC announced an investigation into the sales practices used by the country's largest telecommunications companies last month. According to the feds, Canadians have expressed serious concerns about telecommunication companies using misleading and or aggressive sales tactics. Current and former employees of these telecommunication service providers are encouraged to share their experiences and can apply for confidentiality. Lots more on the CRTC website. Two BC experiences have been ranked in a list of the world's best once-in-a-lifetime journeys. Flight Network, along with a collaboration of over 500 of the world's travel journalists, agents, bloggers, and editors, have created a collection of the world's best journeys for 2018. Sort of an updated bucket list. And two BC destinations are in the top 50 in the world. Number one is a trip to Antarctica. And that may take a little time to organize. Number 29, however, is a train trip through the Rockies from Vancouver to Banff. Something I've always wanted to do and still haven't put together. Driven that route dozens of times, but never just got to sit back and enjoy the ride and the views. Number 46 is the jaw-dropping drive from Vancouver to Whistler up the Sea to Sky Highway. Something I've done, we all have done dozens of times too. Do it with visitors next time. That's what I did with people from Ontario in a car who had never seen it before and who were completely blown away. So along with the Galapagos and Machu Picchu and African safaris, it's nice to know that we too are on the list of some pretty amazing travel experiences in our own backyard. That is our show for this weekend, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls, Sterling at CKNW.com. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, we appreciate your feedback. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of a Vancouver consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.